that's a big (laughs) (laughs) all right everybody uh welcome to over 50 starting over i'm barry edwards and i'm merle garrison here we are november 5th friday again and uh got my favorite holiday coming up pretty soon thanksgiving is oh, so, my favorite ho- holiday oh, we probably say this every year yeah i think we do and i just did my first test flight of my uh nearly world famous garlic mashed potatoes that Ooh. i bring every year i still got it oh i still got it there's so i good. love it i love it i love mashed potatoes it's one of my favorite things so um down but garlic sometimes if there's too much of it i'm 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 like emitting too much garlic i mean i almost feel like i'm you know like you put alka-seltzer in and it's all i've had people tell me i smell like a pizza yeah (laughs) because it's coming out of my pores you go to the gym you sweat and yeah, that garlic yeah. is coming out. It's like, I know. And because, yeah, there's times I just eat a lot of garlic. You know, have you ever done the roasted garlic where you put a bulb in foil and then put yes. it in the oven? I put yeah, a little that is olive delicious, oil. Actually. Yeah, and then you could spread it on crackers or toast or something. So, so, so too good. much garlic gives me, I, lo- I love the taste, but yeah, it yeah. gives me like heartburn. Mm, and I so had- I, have to, I have to be careful. I have to be careful with onions and garlic. That's funny because there's a ton of onions and garlic in the mashed potatoes. <laughs> I'm sure and, it tastes great though. Yeah. And I, I can't put too many onions in there. It's funny. I've tried and it's uh, it's a whole lot. It's the ingredients are simple. Now I've been perfecting this recipe for over 20 years, probably mm-hmm. 30. Mm-hmm. And um, I've tried this stuff. Well, let's put sour cream. It's the holidays. Let's put butter in there. Let's do this. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I just kept, no, it's not butter. It is simply this. I sought a whole bunch of onions and a whole bulb of garlic. I minced those up really good. And I very slowly sweat slash saute them in a pan with olive oil. And then uh, boil the potatoes really good. And then uh, milk. Now, that's the only time I have to go and buy milk because, you know, I'm on almond milk now for my coffee. Well, I'm not going to risk doing almond milk in my mashed potatoes. (laughs) That's a risk. Here's the trick. Here's the big trick is that milk has to be like in a big cup like this. Oops. Uh, It has to come to a froth. Put it in the microwave until it comes to a froth. Otherwise, it kills the texture of your mashed potatoes. Everything has to be super hot when you mix it up. And so it's the milk and then a whole lot of more olive oil, you know, mm, not mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. not in the pan, uh, just pour right in there and it's in salt and parsley. That's it. Now, when you're, when you cook Barry, do you have a recipe? Are you like, okay, put a never. half a cup of this and never. never. Okay. How, yeah. how about Lisa? I know she's a, a very good cook as yeah, well. Does amazing. she, does she do recipes or does she do more like what you do? Both. When, she does both. When she does something that's kind of new and stretches right. herself, she will follow a recipe. But uh, yeah, a lot of times she just goes, uh, you know, off the cuff like I do. That's I think best that's interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, now I, we talked about this before. You said that Anne Marie has been getting into the recipes and really been killing it. And she didn't she, used to cook a lot before. She really has. And, and you know, I've noticed, though, that sometimes she kind of goes off the off the map and starts to create things. I think she's becoming more and more comfortable with that. Nice. Uh, but uh, but yeah, she's mostly a recipe person. She made this baked ziti the other day. My mouth is watering. 
Um, it what was, is that? Is it, it it's, like it's like a the big noodle? Yeah, it's yeah, like okay. the the tube noodle, and it had uh, this mozzarella cheese. It had beef. It had uh, Italian sweet Italian sausage in it. Wow, that's and it was flavorful. sort of like um, I know my mouth is still watering. Mm-hmm. It was um, it was sort of a, a sweet uh, taste and a and a and a a salty taste to put together with this mozzarella cheese on it, sort of like lasagna. Uh, but, and we had some company over a friend of ours came over on Monday. She made this whole big thing of it in it and it's made the house smell so good. I love that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I couldn't get enough of it. I had to try not to eat it that night. I went to bed. We had a whole lot of leftovers. In yeah. fact, she gave the left, she gave a, like a, a care package to our guests. Don't Rhonda. you hate that? <laughs> It's like, crazy, oh. right? I I was I, I couldn't help like I had one eye on how much you giving her. You know, <laughs> now you're gonna. She tried to put some in the freezer. I'm like, uh, 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 don't put it in the freezer. <laughs> and then that night, I went to bed and I woke up in the middle of the night. Like I I think I was dreaming about it. And I was oh wanted it so bad. I had to force myself back to sleep. And yeah, it was uh, it was really really good. And I I ate entirely too much of that. Wow. Oh, that sounds terrific. Um, since I've been over here and it got a little dark and cold all of a sudden, I've been cooking a lot for myself. You have and... to explain that you're staying at your house oh, yeah. now. Oh, correct. Correct. Yes. I'm staying at our, the Airbnb rental house uh, and got more people coming in on the 11th. Uh, so, oh, okay. Yeah. Outside of uh, date nights and stuff like that. I'm basically here. And we were, you and I were talking for a little bit off camera just a minute ago. And I was saying, boy, in the summer, when I get a few days here or a week or something, it's kind of fun. It's, it's, it's um, a frantic pace though, because I do my work here. I bring everything here, all my equipment, as you see, and I do my work here during the day, but then, um, Towards the evening, I'll do whatever kind of projects I'm working on at that time. It's a house. There's always something. There's always more. But now the weather just started to shift and it's getting dark and cold. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I got to find some indoor projects, a little bit of painting and stuff like that. But I kind of mentally need to make the shift. And I have something to share in that regard, too, because the dark, it gets dark so quickly. I mean, the does. days get short really yes. fast and uh that messes with me a lot it just i'm one of those people i battle that as i mentioned before the seasonal affective disorder and all that and this snuck up on me because it i told you it was a beautiful october for the most part mm-hmm. and uh really snuck up on me so i subscribe to the cleveland clinics uh wellness newsletter email or whatever it's called and once in a while i get a good one most of them are usually pretty lame but uh this one's pertinent to what we're talking about it's called fight fatigue with the right lighting Hmm. and it says we're talking about the changing time of the setting sun as the days grow shorter here as darkness creeps in earlier and earlier you may find that your energy level decreases mine does that is the truth that is the truth it's really a different thing for me uh so this says with less natural light and typically more time spent indoors true and the best thing about getting a dog is they get you outside all the time when you normally wouldn't even want to go out yeah yeah uh your brain releases more melatonin which can make you feel tired what's the answer Mm. expose yourself to the right light both natural when you can get it and artificial 
every day, especially first thing in the morning, get some natural sunlight if you can, since daylight contains brain activating short wavelength blue light and head indoors or open your shades or curtains and let light in through the windows. To create energy, energizing spaces for daytime, opt for whitish or bluish light, which are the closest to daylight. Artificial blue light, the same type of light that glows from your phone, and yes, uh, can keep you up at night, is shown to improve attention and alertness during the day. Long wave light, red light too, helps, in, helps has proven to increase alertness without suppressing the sleep hormone melatonin and thereby obstructing sleep. As you wait for longer days come spring, use the power of red, white, and blue light to fight fatigue. So that was a, a little wordy. I probably should have cut that down a bit, but what I, what <laughs> it was I wanna, interesting though. I, I, I've been, I've, a, the lighting thing, uh, the there, red and a, the blue. Yeah. What they, failed to mention is this simple thing is I have in the past, like, uh, you know, I grew up in a very blue collar household, like turn the heat down. No, it's, you know, yeah. and turn the lights off this, that you're wasting energy. And you yes, know, that gets ingrained. Same. In yes. Let me tell you something. It, turn the lights on throughout the house when it's dark at five o'clock in the afternoon and stuff, turn lights on throughout the house. It really does pick you up And it. Instead of that, Oh, you're getting sluggish and now you just want to sit around and watch Netflix until you go to sleep. You know, uh, definitely turn the lights on. Now I have in the past, I've bought the, um, artificial, the, you know, what do you call that sun lamp, uh, light that's supposed to combat the seasonal affective disorder where I put it, right next to my computer and turn it on. So it's shining on me, but I'm not staring into it or anything. Uh, that's proven to help people a great deal. It, well, it, well, I've never heard of this. What, what, you've never heard of that? No, really? I haven't. Uh, oh, nope, yeah. No. Well, well, it's a, kind of but it's a sun lamp? Like, it, uh, it has the blue light that they were talking about oh, that is uh, okay. the same as sunlight, I which see. scientifically helps a lot of people combat that seasonal affective disorder. Huh. So especially if you use it in the morning where it's like you're waking up to morning sunlight, it's supposed to give you this uh, uplifting effect. And I got to tell you, I've never, I've never found that it worked for me. And I used, <laughs> it, I used it for a couple of years and really? uh, yeah, I mean, it, I hate you to didn't get that uplifting feeling when you I don't want to discourage anybody ah. from doing that because the science behind it is real. I mean, studies huh. yeah, have shown yeah, that yeah. it is effective. Okay. But, you know, it's kind of like uh, morphine, like yeah. uh, something like 85% of people it works, morphine works great on. Yeah. About 15 years ago, I broke my ankle in three places and right. uh, I came out of surgery with pins in it and a plate in it and all this on morphine and I was dying in pain. I happen to be one of the 15% that morphine oh, does not didn't work, work on. for you. Oh. And then they couldn't give me what works on me is really well as Percocet, but they couldn't yeah. give me any until like two hours later, because legally they had to wait for the morphine to wear off. So, oh, right. oh my God, coming out of surgery with no painkillers is, uh, oh, that's terrible. It's, I, it's just to illustrate some people, you know, are, yeah, yeah. Uh, just like the blue light. Some yes. people you're, you're in the 15% in the blue light as I well. I guess so. I guess now so. the red light, you were saying that that, that helps people sleep. Uh, it's yeah. Long wavelength that. red light has proven to increase alertness without suppressing the sleep hormone, uh, melatonin and obstructing sleep. Huh. But I never heard of red light. Like, I don't know where you get that. 
Well, I don't either, unless you get a red light bulb. I mean, that that changes things for sure. But uh, yeah. it's interesting to think that these different long wavelengths for red and then short wavelengths for blue has any effect on our mood. But certainly the uh, the, the the time of the day and the, the shortness of the of the sun and how quickly everything changes at this oh, time so of the quick. year. It's really crazy. Don't forget Sunday, actually. Uh, yes. Early Sunday morning, we I fall hate, back. So I we're going to be changing that. the time and everything. I know. <laughs> I've always hated that, but you know, we used to do it something like early October or something. Yeah. Be like yeah. all of a sudden, boom, it's super, you know, and I always subscribe to the philosophy about that. It's uh, the ancient native American saying is, you, you can't cut a foot off the bottom of your blanket, sew it to the top and think you have a foot longer blanket. Mm, yeah, and that's so, exactly what you're doing with daylight. Just because you shifted the clock, you didn't increase daylight. No, daylight savings, no. there's no savings. It, so I've always found it ridiculous. But I have the fact to. that they've shortened it so much, it doesn't bother me so much now. Because I'm glad that they, they have done way, that. Yeah, way yeah, in, way that's in. a good thing. But uh, I, I don't like it either. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of talk out here, at least a couple of years ago, we voted on this, that uh, we would get rid of daylight savings time. And, yeah, but some, nothing's happened. Some, some cities have. Yeah, some, uh, yeah, I, I know Arizona know. doesn't do it. The whole all. state. The oh, whole okay. State. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like it too. I don't. I don't really like. It's disruptive. But the one thing you can think of on uh, the fallback part is you do get to sleep. You got that extra hour of sleep on Monday. So there's there's that. Well, there's that. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm trying to find the silver lining in this. Yeah, whole thing. I appreciate you doing that. Uh, and in other news, I know everybody is wondering uh, the Browns are four, oh, yeah, and four was, now they lost uh, and i sounds... thought that they looked really distracted it was against the steelers uh the receiver all the receivers are dropping passes left and right and mm. that uh, i mentioned but, before, so did they this... did they win against the steelers or now they no, lost in the okay. four and four now and oh, heading boy. into cincinnati who believe it or not is leading the division oh yeah they're having a great year and uh our we have this one idiot receiver, OBJ, um, <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. What's and his I, deal? <laughs> yeah, he, well, he he's a self-proclaimed superstar that is oh, really, uh, he's been here about three years and he's, he's all about having the attention on himself and he's been nothing but a distraction and has never done well here. And uh, oh. so his father put out of his father put out a video the other day of all the times he was supposedly open and Baker Mayfield, the quarterback didn't throw the ball to him. So he's caused all of this disruption in the locker room. He's told not to come back to practice. And now finally it's seen it's rumored that, and it seems probable he'll never play with the Browns again. The problem with this is I know we would have gotten rid of him before the seasons understand that this coaching staff inherited him from the last regime and because uh, it's out of character for them to have a character a bad character like this on the team it's not uh, typical of this coach uh or his uh, or his staff so uh the problem with him is that he has such a huge contract because our last gm it was just one of the bad deals that he did he has such a huge contract that nobody wants he's not worth it so we can't we've been trying to trade him and you know at this point, I'm sure they wish they would have just ate half his contract and traded him off. But so it looks like they're just going to cut him. 
and um, and eat all that uh, salary cap space. But that's what's going on. So the team's kind of in disarray now. One of two things is going to happen this week as a result of this. Either the coach is going to be like, hey, we got the cancer out of the room. It's time to pull ourselves together. It's now or never. The season's on the line. And they'll come out crisp and really play like uh, the champions that they were playing like. Uh, or this could just hang, be a hangover with them and uh, demoralize. And, you know, it, the NFL is, every team is so good. Every player is so good. There's no room for, you need every edge you can get. And so the mental sharpness is very important. So we're going to see what happens. The season may be pretty much over with, or. Well, I don't know. I mean, you, you, as you keep mentioning, it's a longer season this yeah. year. And that, that uh, boy, I was just thinking about how uh, I was reading about the world series and how the Braves were uh, like in last place or something like that in July. And then they end up winning the world series. So, I mean, anything uh, can happen. It's hard to believe it could happen in Cleveland because we've been crushed so many times mm -hmm. uh, uh, mm -hmm. thinking about that kind of thing. But I wanted to go back to something, which is this one player being a cancer on the team yeah. and bringing the entire team down. I mean, isn't that something how one bad egg can just destroy the whole carton? I mean, uh, I had a situation like that in Denver. I had a great team of people there. We were all working together and it's, you know, we all have to be rowing in the same direction yes. as a team in order for the team to be successful. And I made a bad hire. I mean, this person fooled me and wow. uh, I that thought happens. she was, yeah, and I thought she was going to be great, yeah. but she was just a cancer on the team. Mm -hmm. And she brought everybody down, including me. Yeah. And uh, there was one point I remember where she was at her desk and she was, somebody caught her writing things down every time somebody would take a break and uh, they decided, I want to see what she's writing down. When she took a break, she was writing down, the, the people that were taking breaks and the amount of time they were taking breaks. What was um, she going to do with that? Uh, well, she obviously she's going to prop herself up somehow. She was on the working harder than everybody else or something uh, like that. And she actually got a hold of HR with this whole thing. And um, oh, I remember man. like her first day at work, she didn't come in. And uh, I, I remember everybody was kind of up in arms and I called her at home and she was like, hello. And I'm like, hey, I'm not going to say her name because <laughs> I don't even want to say her name. But sure. she ended up like, what, what's the what's the problem? And I said, well, you know, it's nine o'clock. You're supposed to be here at eight o'clock. And she told me that she was under no obligation to come into the office. Well, that's, we, that's what we did. And I'm like, didn't I explain wow, this? Wow, day one. Day one. Now, listen to this. I ended up getting hold, a hold of our HR department. And, uh -huh. you know, like, hey, we got a problem here. And they said, well, did you explain to her that she needed to be there at eight o'clock in the morning? Oh, Long story short they made me put a meeting together between her and I and HR and go over the ground rules of, wow. yes, you have to come into the office and blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, are you kidding? Every time she ended up quitting 
thank God. Yeah, uh, thank God. And, and I remember when she walked out the door, we all had sort of a, a party <laughs> and <laughs> everything was instantly back to normal. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were right back in the swing of things. And I'm hoping that that's what happens for your Browns. Uh, I kind of think that when the, uh, yeah. that, that first scenario that you yeah. talked about was we got rid of the cancer, yeah. let's get going and make this happen. I, I could see that happening because it's, mm-hmm. it's like a huge weight comes off of your shoulders yes. and it's, that distraction is gone. And yeah. um, it is really tough when somebody comes into a team and tries to be the team. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. Just doesn't, it just makes a lot of bad feelings. I like how you brought that around to that real world scenario. I think every one of us has experienced that somewhere where you got that one bad apple that, do you have, cause I don't, I don't have any advice as to how to deal with that. How can you, can you improve that situation? Well, here's the thing, Barry, is that once you hire somebody, it's really hard to, if you've made a bad decision, mm-hmm. it's really hard to, uh, to undo that situation. So I had to work with my boss on this whole thing. And what I was doing was documentation. Now, once, mm-hmm. and then I told you that uh, that first HR meeting that I had with her, we had to lay down the ground rules. Well, that actually worked out in my favor in the long run, because what I was then doing was documenting all the times that she broke those ground rules that she forced me to document. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, in the end, I was, I was able to, to terminate her position, uh, which but you was, said she quit. Actually, it, it turned out that she, that she quit. Uh, let me just remember this properly. This was okay. a long time ago. Yeah. I did actually let her go. Um, she finally crossed the last line, and it was that we we there was something that I had documented, and now I had to talk to her and mm-hmm. also my boss on a conference call, and she refused mm-hmm. to come into the conference call. So wow, he said, "Let her go." And wow. so that was it. And she, they were, all of the employees were there in the office at the time this happened. And since she wouldn't come into the office, I had to let her go right on the sales floor, oh. which oh, wow. was dramatic. I wasn't trying to make it dramatic, yeah. but she made it very dramatic and uh, made a big stink going out the door. And, wow. and But as soon as she got out of the building, because I did that on the floor. You are a hero. Oh, they, seriously. Yeah. Uh, they, they, if they could have picked me up and carried me out of the room, like, <laughs> like the Rudy moment. They yeah. Done you uh, know, it was quite I, a thing. I've always been interested in what motivates people my whole life. And when there are people that I can't figure out, it's like frustrating for me and perplexing. And that amount of problem probably narcissism i'm guessing like i'm trying to sure of it yeah okay yeah you would know judging you know seeing her daily behavior i guess yeah it sometimes it's just amazing to me that people operate the way they do when when it seems so self-destructive and it was it was ugly i mean you know we had a a point where one of my employees i think she worked for us for a total of you know four to six weeks but it was like four to six weeks of pure hell. And uh, one of the people that I worked with, she, uh, her mother died suddenly, and it was terrible. It was just a terrible situation. And of course, Mm I, I uh, felt such compassion for her. And I, I prayed for her. And uh, well, 
this person saw me pray for her and she reported me to HR and said wow. that I had invoked the name of Jesus. Like this was some kind of horrible thing yeah. um, in, in, uh, in the office and tried to get me fired over that whole thing. Uh, this is the kind of was this back in Denver. Yes. Okay. Now, cause I remember you talking about how that one sales team that you led a few years back, you largely uh, manage them in a faith-based way. And you had like record-breaking results. Uh, this was when I was working with Extension Healthcare. And um, this was a startup company that 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 uh, I was working for. So the as far as the rules go, the, the CEO was very much in line with what my faith was and, and mm. really gave me a uh, a lot of leeway to to lead the culture there and uh yes it was it was like gangbusters miracles were happening left and right not only in our sales numbers but in individuals lives as well yeah it was really quite a thing and we were you know from my point of view when people work for me i of course, we want to have the results, but I really care about the people that come in and, and work for me. And I, I never really look at it as, hey, I'm your boss. I, I look at it as I'm, I'm your partner. Yeah. And I really seek to find out really, you know, how do you win in life? I mean, yeah. winning in work is one thing, but winning in life is the bigger thing. And mm -hmm. I really love to be able to find out how I can help them to succeed. And a lot of that is contingent on how well we do at work. Yeah. But we saw people's lives change dramatically. We saw just victory people in wow. the end. And felt so good about themselves. They felt so much. Uh, uh, they felt so much more valuable when they went home. Mm. They were able to provide college educations for their kids. They were the 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 leaders in their households, and uh, oh, yeah. and they were leaders in 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 what they were doing at work as well. It was very strategic how we did things, but at the same time, we had so much fun. And whenever we got together. It was it was always sad when we had to part, mm. and so uh, those were some good good days. And then that company ended up being bought by another company, and that company was a, a publicly traded company. And I remember one of the first days that we were we were there in orientation together as this new team. They had asked me to say a prayer over them um, to uh, succeed at this. I was very uncomfortable with that because I I knew that. This was a new thing and one of the vps in the new company was there and they said go ahead so i'm like okay well they just told me to go ahead so i did boy did i ever get reprimanded for, for that uh, by the hr department really yeah it didn't it's really kind of took the wind out of my sails it was a tough thing and actually the the old ceo had come over as well and uh, he was the one that had to make the call to me because HR had gotten a hold of him. So these things are tough in corporate America, and you gotta you gotta watch your p's and q's on this. And um, you know, it didn't didn't crush me, but uh, it was definitely a downer. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I totally see that. I followed your career. Obviously, we've been friends since college, and oh man, you've seen as many ups and downs as anybody that I know to tell you the truth. <laughs>
Yeah, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, Barry, one of the things that um, I I just got done reading that book by Mike Lindell, and this is a guy that has seen more downs and ups, but certainly it's seen ups. I'm talking about the My Pillow guy in the book was uh, from crack addict to CEO, what are the odds? Hmm. And um, one of the things that he said at the end of his book was, you know, <clears throat> these are uh, we're, we're all going through some stuff right now, but he said, you know, these are times where in the end, we're going to end up in, on top and we're going to look back and we're going to see the things that we went through and we're going to say, thank God those things happened. Otherwise, we wouldn't end up in this great place that we are today. That's and uh, I almost get a lump in my throat thinking about yeah. that because when I look at my own life and I look at the challenges yeah. that I've gone through in my life, they always have led me to a better place. That's a fact. And, and you know, I, I'm obviously going through some things right now with, you know, trying to find new employment and having lost my my previous employment because I wasn't willing to take the vaccination. And this is a tough time, but I do believe in what Mike Lindell said, that this is going to lead me to a time where I can look back and say, thank God that happened. And because I would never have led, it never would have led me to this great place. And even now, as I sit here with you and I get to do this show, I know that we just passed our two year anniversary, but every oh, yeah. week, it's such a joy that we get to yeah. do this. And, and I know nothing lasts forever. I'd like to think it will, but I hope you know it does. we got to just embrace what we have right now. And, mm -hmm. and here's the other thing too, is living in the moment is something that I'm learning so much more about is just, you know, when you, when you start to worry about the future, it can just crush your anxiety your present. Yes. The, the time that you're in right now, like, like I've, one thing I, you talked about shoulder surgery. I had sh shoulder surgery several years back, <clears throat> but leading up to that, I was in some of the greatest pain I've ever been in. I mean, I remember that chronic pain and yeah. if that just can crush the joy right out of your mm -hmm. life. And, and right now I don't feel a darn bit of pain whatsoever. I, I mean, I feel great. I'm, I've got a great house. I got cars. I got a great wife. I got great kids. They live right around me. It's beautiful. It's going to be a beautiful day. Yeah. Live in the moment and you can have joy. There you go. You know, I think that's a, that's I a, think that's a, a very, very important thing. It is the key. It's the key to the so-called secret. And Guys, if you haven't listened to our episode last week, we, uh, we discussed Jules' podcast uh, on the Joe Rogan experience. And, oh, man, I never heard anybody put this lesson uh, any more eloquently than her over a three and a half hour long podcast. But she had been through everything you could imagine in her life. And basically the moral of the story is, is uh, hard times create the greatest people. And, mm. you know, the harder they are, the greater the people, you know, there's an expression I was thinking a lot about uh, as we we're always battling this uh, time that we're in because, you know, we've talked about how we go from the greatest generation ever. Well, what do they produce? They produce the baby boomers who are all like, hey, man, let's share everything, man. And then, you know, they create us who uh, we kind of grew up in this time with hard with hard dads, though, the 70s dads. <laughs> and so we raise our kids always trying to 
correct the wrongs of the previous generation uh, over by helicopter parenting, participation trophies, and oh my God, their self-esteem, their self-esteem, their self-esteem. And we create the softest generation ever. Well, there's this expression that's so right. And it goes something like hard times create hard men. Hard men create soft time, soft times create soft kids, soft, soft men, soft men create hard times. Mm, wow. It's the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Boy, I see that. I really see that. And think makes- about that. Hard times create hard men, hard men create soft times. Yeah. You know, it- cause we endure, we endure the pain, the challenges, the sacrifice. And then when people then don't have to endure the pain and the sacrifice, they're soft and they blow it up. Yeah. Well, that is, I, I see that. And I, mm-hmm. I, you know, my dad was particularly uh, difficult to, to, to please. <laughs> and so was mine. <laughs> he, he made things, uh, you know, but he made me so accountable for things. And I, I can yeah. look back on everything that he did and what, what he instilled on the inside of me. Um, I'm so grateful that he did all of those things and he didn't let me just slack off. And I mean, I, the one thing he had a superpower and that was that he could, uh, he could look right into my brain and tell exactly what was going on in there. I, boy, did I hate that. Um, you know, and he would, he'd just cut to the chase real quick. And I I remember also, as I was a young parent thinking, you know, I'm never going to say, uh, things like, oh, you're going to cry. I'll give you something to cry about. Cause I always thought that was the dumbest thing ever. Like, why well, I'm already crying, you know, <laughs> and I'll never forget the first time that came out of my mouth automatically. And I'm yeah. just so mad at myself. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny for me, a lot of the things that happened in early in parenthood were just things that automatically came out just because of the experience that I had. So I don't think it was easy for my kids uh growing up but uh it's interesting speaking with them and and they talk about the other kids that they see and and what they hear and see and uh, one of the things is that going over to their friends houses and hearing how they speak to their parents with utter disrespect and they're just blown away by that whoa Uh, does you know like swearing at your parents and everything? Wow, kidding that that could limit your time on earth in my house. (laughs) Yeah, I would say so. (laughs) Mine mine as well. I had no idea. You know, I'm really disconnected from the younger generation, so I only can go on but what I read, and I still haven't really figured out who Generation Z is, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I well, you know, it's funny because it's like it seems like the millennials are the new people, but millennials are millennials like are in around their 30, 30s now, 30 yeah, to 40. Exactly. Now. Yeah. Right, right. And so they're they're having to hire people that are in Generation Z and you're trying to figure out, well, what is this Generation Z? Are they going to be the ones that that flip the whole cycle mm-hmm. here? And I kind of hope they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we're going to see. We're going to see what happens. Yeah. Um, and I kind of feel like, you know, the things that are happening today in the business world have a lot to do with how those millennials were raised. Just like you said, we're seeing, especially as we take a look at big tech and some of the censorship that we've seen going on. Um, it's gotten you know, worse, man. It is, and, it, and I feel like it's going to get even worse mm-hmm. than it is today. But when you think about what you just said, 
about uh, you know the whole parenting thing, and Anne Marie loves to say it's the parents, you know, and you it really is, do yeah. have to look at how it these is. people are brought up, and and here we were very challenged uh, by our parents, and and so you had to be like you had to like try to talk your parents into something, and and be a real salesperson. You had to be very. Uh, resilient and everything that you did you had to you had to really think through things mm-hmm. and then if we if we just give everything to our kids and you know let them have a temper tantrum or whatever uh, and just capitulate to all that thing then they never really have to think for themselves and right. so I see censorship as a form of hey I don't have the wherewithal to actually make my point here. I'm just going to cut you off. I'm just going to unplug you. I'm going to delete mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems like that has a lot to do with the society, the, the societal change that's happened here. Yeah, I, I really kind of agree with that. It's uh, when you can't make your argument, just censor it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And those are dangerous times. We mentioned before, it's very, what is not, I don't think, understood or appreciated very much at all is how unlikely it is that we have freedom of true freedom of speech in the first place and how easy it is to let let it slip away. And that's well, where that's we're at. That's the truth. That is yeah. the truth. I mean, this is the, this is a thing that uh, you're right, Barry. And I love that you just brought that up because it's, it's, it is unique to our American culture. It is. And, uh, but at the same time, it's not a given. And uh, I thought Ronald Reagan said it best, where he said that freedom has to be fought for. It's not, it's not inherited. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to fight for it in every generation. And, you know, one thing about uh, freedom of speech is it's so much easier to maintain freedom of speech than to attain freedom of speech. Uh, we yeah. had to write, we had to fight an entire war against the biggest superpower that had been reigning for for hundreds of years. That was England at the time. Uh, and we were against all odds to be able to make that happen. Really, miracles had to happen in order for that to happen. Mm-hmm. It, would, it would be almost like Puerto Rico beating the United States in a war. Uh, that just, it just would be impossible unless God made it happen. That's how I see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here we are today. We're we're in very very we're in danger of of losing that that real privilege that we have of giving it away, basically. And, and you know, um, I was uh, I was reading this book. In fact, I have it right here. Um, this is the new book that I'm reading by uh, Stephen Strang. This guy is the, uh, the oh, founder wow. of uh, of um, ca- uh, Charisma Publishing, and he wrote this book about cancel culture and something. Wait, interesting. Wait, by the way, people that are listening, uh, that said God and cancel culture. That's the title of the book. Right. Thank you, Barry. Appreciate that. Um, he he interviews a lot of people. One of the guys that he was interviewing had spent a lot of time in the USSR. And uh, he was there at the time that uh, the change had happened where really uh, the, the USSR just um, was demolished. And now these people had true freedom of speech and people could say things about the government and they could say what they wanted. They could uh, say what they didn't want. And people felt very free to talk about that. And that was a, a beautiful thing. But 
very quickly, something started to happen where uh, people became afraid, afraid of the government. Putin came in very quickly after this whole thing happened. And remember, he's ex-KGB. Um, then people started to self-censor themselves for fear of repercussions. That's where and we're at right now. He talks about this whole concept of self-censoring. And mm -hmm. I, I find it very interesting because... What he said was that there, there wasn't really laws about what you could say and what you couldn't say, but you could be punished for what you said almost randomly. And the the whole net effect of that was on purpose. This had been done in, in communist China as well. It had been done in the USSR too. Um, what, what happened was since they didn't really know what the rules were, then they tended to Overcorrect, yeah. Self-censor on the far end of things. Mm -hmm. Overcorrect, mm -hmm. that's a better way of saying it. And so this became an even more powerful tool than anything because the government didn't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. uh, they let mm -hmm. the they let this sort of it's sort of like a bug that gets into your computer. And then yeah. before you know it, your whole thing crashes down. Right. And like you said, we see this this net effect happening here today. Yeah, we sure do. We got a lot of messy stuff going on. Something that happened earlier last week, um, in the same week, Julian Assange, uh, the US mm. government was trying to ext extradite him to face charges of, I guess, treason, when his only real crime was doing journalism. Uh, just a Briefly, he started WikiLeaks, then uh, exposed a lot of government corruption. And um, uh, uh, Crystal and Sagar did a segment on Crystal Ball did a segment on it that opened up my eyes to a lot of stuff I didn't know. So the main thing that he was, uh, he came to light and to, uh, uh, under the government's eyes for releasing footage, uh, video footage of these soldiers, I believe it was in Iraq right. that it could have been Afghanistan, but it seems like it was longer ago. So I'm one of them. But these soldiers were shown on video shooting civilians, like Iraqi civilians, like, like they were playing game, a video oh. game. Oh. And women, kids, you know, whatever. And the government covered this up because they were accused of this. And the government covered it up, said that, no, this is part of a, an operation. Not, and yeah, a couple people got in the crossfire kind of a thing. Well, he showed the video footage and it was that horrific. Well, the government's been trying to extradite him ever since. And uh, Obama couldn't come up with the, the right charges to make something happen. Trump pursued it tried doing something. So that's still ongoing. Um, but yeah, so there was something about uh, last earlier this week, they were trying to extradite him. And I think he's in Britain, I forget where but they just couldn't quite get him. Uh, and but likewise, here in the same week, I'd mentioned before Stephen Donziger, the lawyer behind the $9.5 billion Chevron lawsuit settlement. Uh, he's an environmental lawyer and Chevron was accused of all this environmental destruction that killed lots of people in Ecuador. And he beat big, bad Chevron. As a result, mm. Chevron destroyed his life. Um, mm. They got him disbarred. Uh, they pressed charges on him, trying to get his laptop uh, while he was 
in the midst of a trial. And he said, no, because uh, that would be a conflict of interest, which is a misdemeanor at best. For this misdemeanor, he got two years of um, self jail when you're at home in prison. What's the term for that? You know, and house arrest. In, yeah. in house arrest. Uh, two years of that until his, his trial uh, took place, which was in the recent past. And he got charged six months of prison for the same charge that no one ever did prison time for before in history. And he already did two years of house arrest. So mm -hmm. he just this week, his, his, uh, his, his legal team lost the, um, um, when you try to overturn it. Appeal. Appeal. Correct. Now, um, Crystal made the brilliant point of saying that A.G. Merrick Garland could right both of those wrongs. He could overturn uh, both those things. First of all, he could say Julian Assange. First of all, you can't set this new precedent for journalism's doing journalism. You know, that's right, his right. only crime right there. And that makes me even think of Snowden. Um, Snowden yep. should be clear Same. as well. Yep. But the Stephen Donziger, this is just horrifying. This guy... You know, we think lawyers and you think of slimy people. Well, he's an environmental lawyer trying to do the world good and everything. And he gets his life completely destroyed by Chevron. You know, just yet another example of like a fossil fuels uh, outfit. Or, and it could be healthcare, It could be the pharmaceutical. And don't get me started. But how they are constantly destroying our country uh, from the inside out. Mm. So anyways, yeah, Merrick Garland, why don't you do something right for a change? And write these wrongs right here. Boy, I, when I think of Merrick Garland, I just think, mm. thank God that guy's not on the Supreme Court. I mm. mean, it's just, wow. That guy has no character whatsoever. None. And watching None. him on video, he's just like, he's slimy. How do you get uh, that position? How do you? It's a, it's a shame. It what, what attracted anybody to that guy? I, but exactly. trying to figure that out, I, I don't know. Uh, lots of things happened in this past week, Barry. One of the things that I was watching was, of course, the Virginia... Uh, uh, governor race, which, as we know, um, Young can beat McAuliffe. Uh, it was a very close race, and right. a lot of people that are very excited news. about that. But the thing that I saw, I watched uh, the speech that uh, Winsome Sears, who won the lieutenant governor position in Virginia, and I watched her acceptance speech. Did you happen to see that? Barry? No. Mm -mm. That was amazing and uh it was first off i had no idea this was the first black woman to win a statewide contest in virginia's history mm. and she is a former marine uh wow and 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 she came up there with her husband and two daughters and gave the speech the crowd was going wild but a couple of things that she really emphasized during the speech she started out by saying this what you're looking at here is the american dream and she went on to talk about how her father had immigrated here from jamaica back in the 60s when she was a little girl and that he came to this country with a dollar 75 in his pocket she had asked, why, why would you move to America? There's all of this, um, you know, uproar and, and, and mm -hmm. uh, especially among the races. And he told her that it's the only country where you, you really have a chance.
chance if you work hard. And uh, he came first and he sent for her years later and she came over. He was able to, he was illiterate. He was able to get an education and do something with his, his life. And she became an American citizen and fell in love with the country that she was living in. And she put it this way that so much so that I was willing to die for my, for my country and I became a Marine. Then she uh, wow. talked about the fact that there are all these voices that are out there talking about uh, race and, and the uh, terrible thing, the terrible injustices and, and, and systemic, uh, uh, you know, uh, bigotry that's going on here in this country. She's like, and what she said is, I'm here to squash all of that. That's in not Virginia. what's happening. Boy, this man, is the greatest race. country everywhere, anywhere. Yes, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to, I, I, you're going strong. I don't want to stop you. But uh, what happened in Virginia was the Loudoun County, isn't that it? Where critical race theory really came to light. That's what happened in Virginia. And I couldn't be happier for what you just shared with us. In fact, I hope you have a link in your notes that I can put into our show notes. I, I would like to see that video. I, I you know what? It's uh, I don't have the video. I can mm. I can try to find it though. But it was really a stunning. I want to watch that. that she gave, and I I had tears in my eyes as I watched this because I totally subscribed to what she was saying. Is that, you know, again, it, this country is built on exactly what Martin Luther King said: is that it's not about the color of your skin; it's the content of your character. And she proved it in Virginia, of yeah. all the places. Now, yeah. I thought it was interesting the coverage that that came out of that whole thing. Um, you know, you would have thought that this would have been a sort of a, a thing that that would prove that hey, this is this country isn't about that. It's, it's, it's about, it's about exactly what I said that Martin Luther King said. And I, I have a video that I wanted to play uh, of, of oh. the coverage. I, I wonder if I have the ability I don't have. Yes, you do. I, yes, I got do. it. Okay. Let's try to do this. Here. While you're doing that, I wanted to mention that I uh, see my dog kind of going nuts in the background there, which made me think, Sorry, Lisa, I forgot. She uh, said, you know, you better clean up that background behind you. It's driving me crazy. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> I totally forgot. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, okay, let's try this again. Here's the coverage. I think we know the nice. answer to some of this. I watched Glenn Youngkin's interviews on Fox News, and he did nothing that Claire, he did not. I mean, he worshipped at the altar of Donald Trump on Fox News. He flew an insurrection flag at his rallies. He simply didn't. He played dumb about a, 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 a Zoom rally. He did not really put much distance between himself and Donald Trump on the big lie or the deadly insurrection in which police officers were maimed by flagpoles. So I think that the, the real ominous thing is that critical race theory, which isn't real, turned the suburbs 15 points to the Trump insurrection endorsed Republican. What do Democrats do about that? I just think that's that's the that's NBC News, man, turned out to be. I think it's MSNBC. Well, NBC, you're right. Mm -hmm. um, you know that uh, here the first black 
lieutenant governor, first black woman to win a statewide race. By the way, uh, the attorney general that won was uh, an Asian woman. Uh, and, and so to turn this in, and to say that critical race theory isn't real, uh, I think that's exactly how McAuliffe lost this race, is that he would not admit that's exactly. that that's what was happening. That's and exactly that, He went on to say that parents have no business in, in mm-hmm. and, and have no say in their children's uh, right. education whatsoever. And, and, you know, it doesn't matter how many star Democrats you pull up. If you're not telling the truth about what's going on and it's impacting people's children's lives, mm-hmm. you're going to lose. You're not going to win. And it was it was actually really comforting to see that whole thing happen. It gave me a whole lot of hope, Barry. I hear you. Well, there's been a lot of things in the news that have kind of given me rays of hope and this whole critical race theory coming to light and tied in. It's the same thing as wokeism. It's um, it's all starting to crumble. And that's right. And that's a damn good thing. But I'm going to tell you what you'll see. What they're going to do, the left always does this, is, and I mean far left, they're just going to, change the terminology from critical mm. race theory to something else and that's mm. and they're going to say well, I, see i told you there is no such thing as critical race theory <laughs> I, that's, I totally gonna agree do that. with you yeah. i mean you know critical race theory is such a nebulous thing like they want to say oh well where does it say critical race theory in this yeah. educational thing it's that it's not really about that what it's about is to to divide little kids into different tribes or races yeah. and say that one race is good and another race is bad and then should feel guilty that's that's really the whole thing if that's going on then that falls under the guise of critical race theory right. and and what we see is uh, there's a guy ibram x kennedy that's out there and he's a big critical race yeah. theory uh, he's 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 really pimping this thing hard and uh, uh, is he a uh, proponent or against he's a big proponent of critical oh. race theory he's got oh. a children's book out there that that oh, is God. actually going into the classroom for people that are like that five years old that it's got pictures in there and everything and it's like they want to indoctrinate these kids at such an early age yes think about races and it's like remember i remember very well being a little kid these are the things that were furthest from your mind you didn't think about these things right these are things that are pushed on you that that can damage your life long term it seems like a form of child abuse to me i totally agree i think you're absolutely right because all this is going to do is produce anxiety in these young impressionable minds when all these white boys are feeling like they're wrong they're guilty before they even had a chance to affect the world and then uh you know i i swear to god this is going to sound terrible but i once again this is a happened a couple times in recent memory but i was at mark's shopping the other day this is earlier this week and I'm just going to say there's this little girl, little, little girl standing in line, staring at me with pure hatred in her eyes, like mm. literally five years old mm. and maybe six, something really young and kept staring at me with a scowl of hatred on her face. And I smiled at her and made sure I kept smiling as I walked away as if, you know, you can't affect me and um, whatever. But boy, the only thing I was left with was what horrible parents. 
to be teaching this young little girl uh, this kind of racism. There was a, it's always when you go to these uh, not so nice places, because I had the same thing happen at Walmart a few months ago. This little boy is being pushed around in a shopping cart and same thing, just staring at me with pure hatred because uh, I represented obviously everything that's evil. But hey, as we're giving it to the far left here, I think it'd be um, uh, equally fitting to give it to the far right. I got My a favorite. Real- I got a real good one for you here. Cool. Uh, and I corroborated this with lots of different newspapers, but uh, why some QAnon believers think JFK Jr. is still alive and about I to saw this. The- <laughs> I about to like, become the vice be president. Real. The vice president. Can you believe <laughs> when I saw that special on QAnon, what was it called? Q into the storm. Oh. I had what a revelation because I didn't know anything about QAnon. What a bunch of whack jobs. I mean, and, really? Mm-hmm. What so the like I said, this is all over different newspapers, but they believe JFK Jr. is alive and about to become the vice president. I didn't read this one, but I'll, I left the it's link. Not even worth you. reading. I mean, come on. It's I mean, not, did, have they? I mean, did they just take the 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 poison pill right there? Like, are so. they going to finally be gone after this? Because oh this God, is, uh, hope unbelievable. But um, you know what? I have friends of the family that I'm thinking of, and I'm just going to leave it that vague. That I bet that would be on board with all this. They would be, I bet you they're QAnon believers and would be on board with this and really would be able to tell me why, you know, here's another thing that happens though, Barry is being a conservative. I, you know, people come at conservatives as if they all believe in this QAnon thing. Like they attack you, <laughs> yeah. they attack QAnon to get yeah. to you. And it's like, yeah. I don't believe that. And so that's the, that's the infuriating thing yeah. is you've got these people that are definitely whack jobs. Yeah. And then you get lumped in with these people. Uh, and well, and you it's know almost what? like when the Black Lives Matter thing started to happen, it's like, wait, I'm not a part of this. But yeah. yet people you just because you're black, they think that you're all down with Black Lives you're Matter. Right. And it's it's embarrassing. Yeah. It is embarrassing. But it let's keep it in perspective. It's just like we, we talk about the Democratic Party. Well, they're not all far left squad types now. You know, it's just like the Republican Party. They're not all QAnon people and they're not all Trump supporters, I'd say, as well. Well, Uh, You know, everybody's kind of dividing up into these factions and it's too bad. It's that's what's going on. It's I cool. wanted to say that uh, the the thing that McCall another thing McCulloch did wrong was instead of going head to head with Yunkin and, and Yunkin's ideas, he was campaigning against Trump. And uh, I think they got to move on from Trump. Boy, uh, don't I they? Think, I think the thing that Yunkin did so well was he wasn't depending on Trump. Uh, he didn't bring mm. him into his campaign. He fought on his own merits. And that's really what I love to see. And this is what I've been talking about on the show too, Barry, is that the next guy that runs for president as a Republican, he's got to stand. Th- th- there's enough to on stand his own on, two feet. on yes. conservative, conservatism that you can fight the fight yourself. And boy, they've been given so many gifts by the by the Biden administration. Just do that. You don't yeah. need Donald Trump to win this. And I'm, I got my eye on that governor down in uh, Florida. I think that guy's a really sharp guy. The same. Very quick. Yeah. Yeah. I um, agree. I have been seeing him in the news of late and he he is sharp. Um, he is. Uh, and boy, I couldn't agree more. I think that 
what most people don't realize is there's a freaking hunger to get away from Trump. They're a growing, a growing. Here's the other thing uh, going back to that election is that um, from, from MSNBC and CNN, they, and the, and the New York Times, they're saying that the real reason that uh, they lost that had to do with COVID and the, the problems that were caused by COVID. And mm. uh, I thought that was a big misnomer because the exit polls were saying that the, the real thing is it's the economy. Uh, you could blame it on COVID, but a lot of this was self-inflicted on the, the economy. Mm. And you also, the number two thing was education. And so that's the thing is Yunkin was addressing the things that people were concerned about and the Democrat party was not, and they were using their, their, their talking points yeah. without, without actually understanding what their constituents were looking for. And I, I think anytime you do that, you're going to lose. Not um, true because it worked for them in California. Yeah, you know, I they just say, had a recent success story. I, I, it, it's still mind blowing to me that that. <clears throat> that oh, it's mind blowing to me. It, I it, don't understand it. I don't understand. Well, it maybe still. it's going to start working. Less I know. Uh, I know. Well, you know what hey. we're seeing here is such crazy stuff here in California right now uh, with all of these uh, with all the mandates that they have now here in, in Los Angeles. We just started the, the Vax card mandate here in los angeles county and i gotta tell you that started yesterday and uh the traffic on the road i live right next to a busy street it was mm. it was tangible uh, mm. it was almost silent out there mm. um it's uh this is a this is a business destroyer this is a i mean i don't know how these restaurants are gonna uh be able to handle it but i was talking to somebody at uh, starbucks earlier in the week and i was saying how is this gonna work and one of the things that they said was this puts us in such a terrible position because now we're the ones that have to look at these vaccination cards yep. and we're having a hard enough time trying to, to enforce the mask thing because people get so angry with us. And these are, yeah. they were young girls. I mean, yeah. imagine, you know, a hardened, angry man coming in there and they're going to have to tell him that he's got to leave the restaurant. This yeah. is what an unfair position to put these people in i totally agree no and it's going to be it's unfortunate to be interesting to see how this goes over the coming weeks and and in san francisco now uh even it. uh people five years and up are having to show vaccination cards before they can go into wow. this is oh, really crazy let me add one more crazy. thing go ahead um you mentioned how uh critical race theory earlier and how uh changing the name and that's how they're gonna do this they're well, gonna speaking of that the CDC, and we also talked about um, how anti-vaxxer Webster changed the definition of anti-vaxxer yeah. uh, a yeah. few weeks ago. Well, the CDC just changed the definition of vaccine uh, because mm. COVID-19 um, uh, is this whole thing is uh, crazy. But here's the definition was formerly a product that stimulates a person's immune system to produce immunity to a specific disease protecting the person from that disease. And now the definition reads, a preparation that is used to stimulate the body's immune response against diseases. Um, hmm. Now- So they these, loosened up that definition. They, what they took out was that it produces immunity. You see, immunity is I, yeah, also they loosen, defined. Yeah, yeah the yeah. immunity is defined in the, uh, in the, by the CDC as, uh, you're you're inoculated. You can't get it again. 
So uh, they had to change this because we see that you can get COVID even if you've been uh, mm -hmm. vaccinated. So mm -hmm. they had to change this. So everything's a changing got, thing. It's all wordplay here. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, do you got gain of function uh, at your <laughs> fingertips? <there? laughs> That's the next That's undergoing thing, right? some redefine. Well, here's the thing that they're talking about now, Barry, is uh, the definition of fully vaccinated is about to change. Of course, they're talking about it right now. That means it's going to change. Um, if you've had the Pfizer changing. or Moderna vaccination and you've had your second one, that was fully vaccinated. Uh, but uh, pretty soon we're going to see that everybody's going to be in the same boat once again. Uh, if you haven't had your booster, uh, you're not fully vaccinated. Look out for that one coming. Mm. I can see that a mile away. Sure. Hey, I got an interesting thing for you. Remember last week you uh, enlightened me to the 400, uh, the potential $450,000 migrant payments. Yes. Did you hear this week? Uh, the, this is yesterday. I think it was the ACLU is uh, tearing into Biden for not being aware of the in quotes actions of his very own DOJ. After he called reports of the $450,000 migrant payment, pay payments garbage in quotes republicans yes. launch bill to block the insulting settlements i got a link to that story here yeah isn't that wow something? this I is mean, all blowing was, my mind you, you know it's crazy is that when you said the the QAnon story to me that sounded almost identical to the four hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollar thing yes. like that can't be right that's like, what i said last crazy, week right? what, where, what's your source on that your source is like nbc news or it's something. the wall it was the wall street journal no, that's actually. right that's even and, more uh, credible and, and here's yeah. here's something else to add on top of that barry is uh, it was peter ducey from fox news that asked joe biden now peter ducey has been a, a thorn in joe biden's yeah. uh uh side ever since mm -hmm. he, he accepted the presidency. Uh, I got to say, I think the guys are one of the few people that puts the president on the spot for the all, all of the media should be doing that for any president. It doesn't matter if they're left or right. Oh, uh, yeah. That's the job of the media. But all the right. White House on Thursday walked back President Biden's comments from the day before that the administration would not be paying migrants separate separated at the border during the last administration, 450000 thousand dollars each clarifying that the government would be settling or would be willing to settle out of court with those families so even the white house had to walk back what joe biden said further uh corroborating the story here that this is uh this is what's going on it's it's insane uh what's going on out there i can't even believe. i seriously these news stories are hard to believe they really are well, we've got some new things that are happening. I, I just heard this and I, I haven't read into this, but uh, we all, I always wonder, well, whatever happened to John Durham and the special counsel and this whole thing? I mean, mm -hmm. what, what what the heck? Uh, just this morning, a story got released. Federal, federal authorities on Thursday arrested Igor Danchenko, a Russian uh, analyst who contributed to the discredited anti-Trump steel dossier. And um, they're saying that, uh, according to the New York Times, uh, Danchenko was the primary researcher. Um, this is from the Wall Street Journal. Some of the material came from a Democratic Party operative with longstanding ties to the Democrat presidential nominee, Hillary Clinton, according to the charges rather than well-connected Russians with insight into the Kremlin. I mean, this is <clears throat> possibly about to really hit the fan. Yeah. I, I was, 
the wheels of progress are moving very slowly on this, but yes. it just shows how corrupt our government has become and what a, what a game of, of uh, crap uh, these campaigns have become. I mean, oh, this, yeah. is, this is terrible. I mean, you brought up, uh, uh, what's the guy's name that they want to extradite? Assange, um, <clears throat> Julian Assange. I mean, yeah. this, is, uh, this is really just a, a gigantic cluster that's happening here i know we got to clean up our government i think it would have to start with and this is uh probably never going to happen because everything comes down to money but probably the number one thing they could start with is uh making it illegal for corporate funding of campaigns you know yeah, people you know, are bought off before they even get in the office they really are and i mean i, I gotta say that it does seem like especially as we take a look at how powerful these corporations have become uh they do seem to be running our country right now and it seems like a form of fascism here yeah. how how these companies are are doing this and and as we speak we've got these uh new mandates that are that are coming out here we're on january 4th uh, companies with 100 plus employees are mandated yeah. to have all of their employees vaccinated. I think that that's going to be a disaster. We're, we're already seeing where this is impacting um, government agencies right now, where uh, here in California, the 110,000 people working for the the Los Angeles County um, are facing that whole thing. I think it's as early as uh, December, and we're already seeing big time shortages. Uh, the 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 sheriff is warning of a real chaotic situation happening with crime spiking to all time highs. Here, we just had an accident down the street where somebody crashed into a fire hydrant, and water is spewing up into the air. And you know how water is precious like gold. Here, they couldn't get that thing turned off for hours because the LA Department of Transportation is so short-handed now. Um, we're seeing uh, we're seeing the seeds of what could happen here, but this is this is happening all over the country. New York uh, is about to lose a third of their uh, police force if they haven't already. Chicago's looking the too. same thing. Yeah, fire departments oh. are shuttered right now. Yeah. The same yeah. things are are happening, uh, and at the same time, we're seeing the people's will. Uh, to not want to de defund the police. Um, look, in Minneapolis, where all this started, that the whole defund police measure just failed. The people said uh, their word. And Barry, the media, uh, the social media outpouring of this is very interesting because I'm seeing all of these people that are putting their tweets out there saying, uh, you know, this is how more precincts get burned down and we need to take to the streets. So, I think we're going to see more of the same of those tactics that we've been seeing over the last couple of summers that the in, instead of getting the message that they're going to double down and uh, and really try to force their will here against the people's will. Right, right, right. I uh, think that we need to lighten this thing up and, and wind up once again, we'll kind of go, but we'll go into the after show in a minute. To lighten up, I got something really interesting for you, Merle. I think you're going to really like it. I want to give a shout out to this guy, Ken Tamplin, Ken of the Ken Tamplin Vocal Academy. This guy, I've been following him now for a few months. He is a singer, a rock and roller, and he can sing anything. And he has this uh, vocal coaching thing that he does. And 
And to promote it, what he does is he has all these videos, this is how I found them, where he isolates the vocals of famous vocalists. Like, I think the first one I saw was David Lee Roth of Van Halen. And he's singing Running With The Devil. No instruments in the background. You're just hearing his isolated vocals. Let me tell you, it's a whole different experience when you hear these uh, vocalists that way. So, I mean, I've listened to him with uh, Steve Perry. Um, what's her name? And what's her name from Heart? Uh, it, uh, Mick Jagger and Wilson, yeah. and Wilson, yes, and uh, Robert Plant, all of these different people, and and he's also got uh, some things where he does who did it better replacement singers like David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar or Steve Perry or that new guy or Queen, um, Freddie Mercury. I, he did a fascinating study with Freddie Mercury, by the way, and so I just want to give a shout out to him if anybody has an interest in uh, seeing his channel. I'll leave a link to it. But now what I want to end with is the most fascinating one that I came across this week. Uh, he mentioned Lou Graham, a foreigner. And I went, Oh, my God, what a blast from the past. I love foreigner. And Lou Graham is an amazing vocalist. And Ken, who will, oh, I got to tell you, one of the most disappointing ones that I ever uh, watched is he isolated the vocals and talked about uh, Def Leppard's, um, I can't think of the lead singer's name now, but yeah, he, I mean, I love Def Leppard. Well, he didn't, uh, Ken did not give, uh, what's his name, a glowing review whatsoever. And he did so very apologetically because he's like, it's a great band. It's a great band. And people love, what's his name? Uh, Joe Elliott. Joe Elliott's <laughs> his name. But when he did this Lou Graham, I was like, oh, taken right back in time with it. I want to end with uh, a music video of Lou Graham and Foreigner doing Waiting for a Girl Like You in 1985 live. Now, the reason I want to end with this, and I'm only going to play like 30 seconds to a minute or so, but I'll leave the link in the show notes for you because I want you guys to watch the whole thing because you know how uh, another one that he did was Brad Delp or Delpy from uh, Boston more than a feeling. Mm -hmm. Imagine how hard it would be to sing that song. Yeah, right. He's, he can he sings these songs for you as he's reviewing them. Anyways, uh, this is this song is like waiting for a girl like you. You'll remember it as soon as you start hearing it. Uh, you know, most of the time when these singers do these songs with those high notes that are impossible, they 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 kind of skip over them a bit in when they do them live. Mm. Lou Graham hits every one of these notes in this live video. And 30 seconds, a minute or so of it. Recognizing it, Merle? Oh, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, won't you tell? 